If you're an investor scaling your portfolio or starting your portfolio and you've been wondering if available land around a city or suburb is going to be the X factor that drowns your investment success, then you need to tune into this. Because in this particular episode, I'm going to go through whether available land or large availability of land in suburbs, in cities, does it actually make a difference to growth rates? Is it a core impactor? So if you stick around for this episode, you're going to learn that and you're going to learn whether this is a true difference maker that you need to keep in your back pocket when you're analyzing deals, analyzing markets, analyzing suburbs, and you'll be able to either save a lot of money from mistakes, find potentially more properties from this learning and be able to then take your portfolio to new heights. Now, my name is Arjun Paliwal. For those new to the episode, I'm the Head of Research at Investigate Buyers Agency, Australia's Buyers Agency of the Year. And if you're tuning into this and love this episode, whether you're a first-time listener, watcher, or a second-time listener and watcher, well, please do help us out to produce more like this by jumping on the Investigate YouTube page, clicking like, clicking subscribe, so you get notifications for videos like this and videos that give you a little bit of a different mix every time. Some that are very much area-focused, concept-focused, data-focused, and just me hanging out with others, talking property, talking investing, and talking, more importantly, scaling your portfolio. So the big question for today is, does investing in property with lots of land available, lots of land everywhere, will that make a difference in your portfolio or property's outcome? And I'm going to give you a spoiler now and tell you the truth. The answer is no. It does not make as much of a difference as you think. And you might be going, but Arjun, all the gurus, all the data experts, everyone tells us that available land, stay away. Lots of available land, stay away. Well, let's really go through the data today. And I'm going to make sure before we go through the data in a few cities that you actually get to understand, do we even have areas where there's no available land? Because that is something where people actually might start to realize that even the cities that you think that there's no available land, there's available land. And we'll start off just by going through some of the different cities. Let's start off with Sydney. So in Sydney, do you feel like there is Sydney has no available land? It does have available land. If you go towards the western suburbs of Sydney, Penrith, you can see there that there's available land in and around it. If you go to the southern suburbs of Sydney, Campbelltown, there's also a lot of available land around it. So this is just one market. If we take a field trip and head over to Melbourne, go to west, east, north, and down to regional centers around it, Bendigo, Ballarat, Geelong, and Albury-Wodonga. Giving you a lot of names here, but there is available land to be found. And just when you think, well, Arjun, get to the coast, no available land, let's go head over to Bundaberg. And you can see here, Bagara, Coral Cove, suburbs in Bundaberg. There is available land. So now that you know that there is land pretty much everywhere, whether you're in any city in the country, there's going to be available land in some suburbs impacting it. How did available land markets fare? And did the markets impact performance substantially? So this is the key thing to remember. Now, the first statistic I want to give to you is something I quote quite often. 90% of local government areas have performed with 5% or more compounding growth over the last 25 years in Australia. And this means that a lot of government areas in Australia included available land. So 
that does mean that many of those local government areas were in, like the Campbelltowns, like the Bendigo, the Ballarats, the Bundaberg, and they contained many pockets that had available land. So immediately, the 25-year data shows that you're going to get 90% of LGAs that show 5% or more compounding growth. But now let's take it one step further. I'm going to do that by pulling up a little bit of data from our friends at CoreLogic. So the first one we're going to dive into is Sydney. Now in Sydney, we have the suburb of Campbelltown, which I gave a shout out to before. Campbelltown is the southwest of Sydney. And in the southwest of Sydney, there's a lot of available land in Campbelltown. And with Campbelltown, if we go to the last 10-year trends, firstly, it produced a suburb price growth of 119.6%. That's core logic with data from 2013 to August ending 2023. So a little bit older in a few months, but you don't care about the old of a few months with 10-year data. So that's 119.6%. Firstly, that is phenomenal. That is absolutely phenomenal. Would have been one of the top performing markets over a 10-year period. So someone who bought 10 years ago, guess what? There was a lot more available land in Campbelltown 10 years ago than today. Saw this land, still bought it, and it still went up. Now, the next part as well is that, well, Arjun, what if we compare it to a suburb that did not see a lot of available land? And you know what? I'm going to bring up a suburb in Sydney that did not see any available land. This is the suburb of Newtown, inner West Sydney, no available land. They're actually stacking up buildings on top of buildings, 94.8%. So still good growth by, by means, like that's good, but less than 119 of the lower socio, further away available land suburb. Now the list goes on, we can go through a few more. And by the way, I didn't prepare a list of suburbs. I don't know if you can zoom into my phone here, but I'm on the CoreLogic app and you can see that I'm not getting this list of suburbs out. I'm just typing suburbs as things come to mind to show you that I stand by the opinion to be able to say that all these available land will not immediately kill the deal. There's more to it. Now let's go to uh, a suburb that I lived in, Glenwood, the hills of Sydney. Glenwood's 10-year growth a little bit more, 140.8. But remember, 20% over 10 years is only 2% more. It's not a huge game changer, especially when you then take into account inflation. So you've seen 140% with no available land, but then you've seen 119% uh, with lots of available land, and you've seen 90-something percent with no available land. And to be honest, Glenwood actually had available land in 2010, 2012. There was land because the subdivision started popping up in 2008. So in actual fact, if you go back to 10 years ago, there was still land there and it still performed well. Now it has no land because it's been built. But the key here is to show you is just in examples of Sydney, there is available land and yet the growth took off. I will come back to later parts of this episode why that was the case. And this is where you'll need to stick around because I'm going to show you why that was the case. And by the way, again, if you are enjoying content like this, please jump onto the page, give it a like and subscribe because you're going to see more videos like this where we bust myths, keep it real and help you focus on what truly matters. Now, the next one, I'm going to go to another city. And this is a city that I've bought in a property myself. It's a city I bought many other clients' properties too. And we jumped in before the gold rush. And no pun intended, because this is the gold city of Australia. This is Bendigo, known for the big gold mines back in the day. And fun fact, Maya actually started in Bendigo. And uh, if I got that fun fact wrong, correct me, please. But I've heard that Maya was from Bendigo. The next one here was the gold rush. Another fun fact, again, we're going to 
you know, fact check me on this, please, if I got this wrong. But uh, Wikipedia and Google are good friends of mine. And in 1901 or the early 1900s, Bendigo was known as one of the richest cities in the world. Not just Australia, one of the richest cities in the world. And we can thank gold for that. So now looking at Bendigo, we're going to go pick up a suburb in Bendigo. Something towards the outskirts of Bendigo is a suburb called Epsom. Now, Epsom is an outer suburb and Bendigo Epsom has seen medium sale price of 80.3% increase in the last 10 years. We're also then going to go and pick a suburb in the inner parts of Bendigo and the same thing, 10-year data, Kennington, which is actually where I bought my property in Bendigo. Inner walking distance, no housing availability, no land you can build on, 76% capital growth over 10 years. So, whoa, Arj, what the hell? This is like, what is it happening here? Like this is 10-year data. This is lots of data to feed into it as well. Lots of sample sizes and the growth practically the same of the suburb and the exterior being in the most available land as it is in the interior of the most inner suburb, Kennington, where there's funky houses, character homes, walking distance to CBD, the lifestyle, you know, trendiness, all the cool things, cafes not too far, and a property that I own too. So shouldn't I be putting Kennington on the map to say, Kennington, go, be better than Epsom? Not the case. And this phenomena goes on in many, many regions. Now, if I even go bring up another region in um, Bun uh, not Bundaberg, Bendigo, we're going to look at the 10-year growth of that. Strathfield's Eye, pretty cool name, but it has land available everywhere. 10-year growth, 82.7, the same as Epsom, a little bit more, but not much difference to Kennington. So there's something that you should learn here. Number one is do not fall to the trap of just the simplistic analysis of housing looking at heat maps, satellite views, available land, approvals, and building approvals. I've talked to you about building approval data and it doesn't have an instant clear correlation. We back-tested it. We've applied you know, machine learning algorithms that just looked at building approvals only to try and predict location performance, and it could not come out. We looked at available land now. So what's the catch? Well, the catch is this. If the city's greater economy is in place, if this city, and keyword city, has a significant undersupply relative to the amount of sales volumes occurring. And this is then compounded by healthy yields. And by healthy, it's relative to its own city with low vacancy, faster selling, low vendor discounting, job creation, confidence in the marketplace, availability of credit, and all these things coming together that will blow past whatever it is. Because even with available land, what occurs is that everything is relatively priced to the market. You take a step back and go, I'm a homeowner, I'm operating with general logic, comfort, desires, and I'm not operating as the investors do with spreadsheets and opinions and bias. I'm operating with what I think is good, where I'd like to be, what I would desire, want, the need of shelter, and I wish to make a transaction that fits in my capacity and the desires, or at least the best balance. And you see a $3 million home, I know, extreme example, $3 million home in an inner suburb city of Sydney. And you see its commutability, you see all the lifestyle, you see that your community is there, you like it. Could be in Stratfield, something like that. You then go out to 50 minutes away, you don't have all the things you want, like community, jobs, say they're not there. And you go out to my suburb in Glenwood, and you go, I want to be there. 
maybe it doesn't have all the things strapped to you. Let's just assume maybe it doesn't have all the things you like. You're not going to pay the three million, are you? But perhaps it's one million now. There's a huge dynamic shift. You can see the price is factored into the desires now. You might go, well, it's one million. We get to save a lot of money and we might not have this, but we get that for a million and we then get to live there and we have saved money and put our budget towards other things. I might take that into account. They're not thinking, is the land available? Is it not available? They're thinking of all the conscious decisions homeowners make, all the things they like that you can't measure because it's each to their own. And then the prices should be relative. Campbelltown is always going to be and is currently cheaper than the suburbs of Newtown and Glenwood that are raised. And yet it grew because it had parallel impacts happening for the greater Sydney. So the greater Sydney market parallel impacts were the job market growth and all these factors, they grow in Sydney. It's not like they're just growing in one part of Sydney and nothing's happening elsewhere. Like they grow across Sydney. So as a result, the same thing's happening in Bendigo. In Bendigo, it's a 10-minute city. Epsom's 10 minutes away from the city. Kennington's too. You know, if someone wants to go eight minutes out and they go, well, I get a more modern home for the same price, that's what they want to do. It's a desire factor coming in and people will price it in. The market will respond and the market will price it in. So if people go, well, Epsom's cheaper than Kennington and therefore I like it being cheaper, so I'll go there, they will drive it up and they might have their parallel existence of trends long term, but there might be a separation in price. There might be a separation how long it takes to them to make a decision in Kennington than it does in Epsom, days on market shifts. There might be a separation in vacancy rates. You cannot just assume that land available instantly makes a deal or a suburb bad. Because if it has factors that are relative or a change that you go trade it, right? A change in value exchange. I will exchange greater land around me for a more modern home at a cheaper price. There's an exchange of value. But if you're going, I'm going to go away further, have less jobs in proximity, take longer to go to work, take longer to come back, have no place for my kids to go to school, have no transport to go to, have no nice parks, have no lifestyle have the smaller block of land, same age home, and pay the same price, you're out of your mind. It's just not going to be that. That it just doesn't exist. Because the price could not have caught up the same unless there's something there that makes it appealing or valuable to a certain community of people who buy with logic, not with spreadsheets, not with data, with logic that they feel comfortable with. And so the whole thing of available land is it's just likely that the square meterage dollar rates of land in that area is probably cheaper because it offers a little bit less. And therefore, something else can make it up being the build. And this is where people make mistakes. When you go into new builds, that's the issue. The new build is the issue where the dollar per square meter rates are heightened temporarily because of the cost of the build and the taxes in the build. And therefore, you might go off to a little bit of a slower start. Now, that is not location selection. That is asset selection. You see what I mean? So it's not the location that had due to more land that therefore it will grow less because of building approvals. It's the specific property you chose in that location that had many other factors and building approvals on top of those many other factors that then caused price growth to be weak because the asset you paid up front so much of the dollars in taxes and dollar per square meters of construction. And the land was what appreciated, the buildings were depreciated, the old saying that we know. And remember, if you look at this, the phenomena is everywhere. I, I want to bring up some more data. I'm going to go to the suburb of Bargara. Lots of land, coastal pocket. 
And this is Bundaberg now. We're going to go Bagara or Bagara. Could be pronouncing this wrong. And Bagara over 10 years in Bundaberg, 85.4%. And then we're going to go to an inner suburb of Bundaberg. Well, I think an inner suburb. Which one should we choose? We'll choose Norville. Norville, 10 years, 59.5%. Now, you could argue that that's because Bagara is on the coastline. But hey, available land everywhere. Everywhere. Right? So... The truth is this available land thing is a very simplistic assessment and simplistic assessments of property markets just do not exist. You can make the complex simple, which is helping you with great interpretation. The no turns to understand. So that's no with a K-N-O-W, no turns to understand. If you have the no turning to understand, that just means that the facts and metrics turn to you applying them with interpretation. You understand the use cases, how it makes a difference. That's that's where it's not oversimplistic. You're just simplifying the complex to be simple. But if you're analyzing it oversimplistically, land available, don't go here, building approvals high, don't, it, just, it just doesn't work like that. Because you're telling me that those two factors are going to change the fact that Bendigo's economy was improving, are going to change the fact that Bendigo's prices did not grow heavily and they were due for growth. You're going to change the fact that Bendigo's underlisted, it has low vacancy, it has improving prospects from interstate, it had increasing rental trends, increasing sales volumes, lowering listing trends, lowering days on market, lowering um, vendor discounting, job creation was improving. I'm just rattling off all these trends because that's what happened in 2018 and 19 when the market started to pick up and grow. The markets priced it in. The home in Kennington was more expensive than the home in Epsom. So it was already priced in. They grew together. So this is not simply saying that every single suburb will grow. This is just saying that the examples I raised still did their thing in line with the suburbs that did not have that land issue. And I wasn't being selective. I was just choosing random suburbs as they came to mind on an app. And I got some that were 140 and 120 and 90. So it just shows you this is random. So it's not one of those, oh, you pick the data of this and pick the data of that. Available land alone is not a big enough impactor. Building approvals alone is not a big enough impactor. Now, where, do you, where does it go wrong? Well, in Canberra, there were suburbs where all the metrics were off. Suburbs, not the city. The city was moving along well, but certain metrics were off. Building approvals high, available land high, vacancy rates high, days on market high, inventory of established supply against stock high, stock on market against established addresses high. You see where it goes? Those are the whole picture coming together being higher. Now, once those things get resolved, prices will eventually get factored in because what will happen is that all those things will give buyers more power. Buyers will negotiate harder. Other markets and suburbs will improve. Price gap variations will get created because this is a new suburb being formed. And once the price gaps get formed, it becomes ingrained. And then the parallel growth, parallel growth kicks in over long term due to the city's fundamentals. That is key. Now, I'm going to go through more examples. Queensland. So the suburb of Annandale and Townsville, inner pocket. I bought a property there for myself in Townsville. Watch out, the cycle is improving. In fact, the last one year of Annandale data, days on market, it's like 26 days. And 10 years ago, days on market was over 50. Five years ago, days on market was over 60. Three years ago, days on market was over 50. And now we're sitting at 
26. So you can see something's happening in Dell. I've spilled the beans of the one-year data, but we're going back to 10 years. On the 10-year price growth, Annandale, an inner suburb of Townsville, had 11.5% growth. Now I'm just going to think of an outer suburb of Townsville, and we're going to go for 10-year data as well. Bushland Beach, median value up 19.9% as per core logic. So both obviously fairly weak due to the cycle in Townsville now changing. But Bushland Beach, land of round, house and land packages around there, and Mount Low, another suburb, land around it, building approvals coming in. But both of them, alongside Annandale, the inner market, did grow as much as each other. This is just taking the land isolated alone. If all the factors of metrics that we look at start to play in a negative formation in a specific suburb that has available land, then of course that suburb will see separation in performance in a bad way. And then what will happen is the factoring of price will kick in, then it will kick back up to long-term averages, and you make that trend long enough, five turns to 10, turns to 15, turns to 20 years, and those metrics will start to smoothen the curve out. But do not believe and sit here that land alone and building approvals alone are two metrics that can suddenly give you the picture of avoiding markets and keeping in markets. They're metrics of consideration alongside the greater picture, and I want you to get better at analyzing property so you can make smarter decisions for your future, not get caught out, and be able to join the dots. Do not rely on isolated analysis of markets. We've back-tested everything in isolation as we could. There are very few metrics that make the isolated difference. Inventory levels was one of them, but majority just don't. So over to you in your investing journey to get myths like these out and focus on a holistic investment analysis and just use risk measurement analysis to accompany it, not be the decider of whether you buy there or do not buy there. And I hope this gives you the data, the facts, not on one city, not on two cities. So over three cities, four cities used here to show you real examples of random suburb selection. And I hope this helps you get the right facts. Investigate podcast here. Give us a like, give us a subscribe on YouTube. And if you're on the podcast and you're like, hey, I'm a Spotify guy or gal and I want to keep this going and pump up the reviews, like the show, share it with your friends. Tell them I've got this cool property podcast. We go through a lot of data. I hope it's cool. I hope you're enjoying it. And please do share, sharing the love, all the fan mail I get, all the messages I get. All the LinkedIn connections, Arjun Paliwal, Head of Research, Australia's leading market forecaster. Please do jump into there and I'd love to connect. Stay in touch. All the best.